How's everyone doing? I don't know about you, but I was like, this morning when I woke up, I was like, 1st of May, praise the Lord. I mean, there's nothing particularly special about May. I do have a a child turning uh, 16 in May, but uh, nothing especially uh, special about May, but I just thought, I'm pretty happy to put April behind me. I don't know about you, but my April, I was reflecting upon the last, you know, couple of weeks uh, this week, and I was like, it's, it's been intense, you know. I've had COVID. Tom and Sue's have had COVID, which affects me. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, it's been the school holidays. Um, my husband's had shoulder surgery. Um, we're back in in-person meetings, which is so fantastic, but obviously requires work. And it was just one thing after the other, and I thought, I'm just happy to be in May. I mean, it's just a good move, isn't it? It's good to move through something, you know, you go through the valley and to get to something that might seem a little bit better. Uh, it seems fitting that the Lord would, uh, after a busy month, it seems fitting to me that the Lord would um, have lead me to speak about Mary and Martha today, which um, embarrassingly I didn't really see the irony of until quite late in the week. Uh, it might not be quite what you expect. When we hear the names of Mary and Martha said together, you know, the worshippers among us, I don't know if you do this because you're probably not too holy, but the worshippers among us will polish their halos and think, oh, it's all right, I'm not going to, I'm good. And the doers among us shrink back waiting to be told off because clearly you don't love Jesus enough. But is that, is that why the story of Mary and Martha in the Bible? It's four verses. It's very brief, but is those four verses in the Bible so everyone who does a lot feels bad? Did, did God, uh, is every house that Jesus stayed at written in the Bible? I'm going to go with probably not. Is every, every person that Jesus interacted with in the Bible? No. But these four scriptures at the end of Luke 10 is in the Bible, and I believe it's there for a reason, and I don't think it's to make us feel bad. My message today is not just about two women, but my message today is about hospitality. Obviously, said that too many times yesterday. Hospitality, it's about intimacy, and it's about grace. Luke 10, verse 38 to 42, four verses. While Jesus and his followers were traveling, Jesus went to a town. A woman named Martha let Jesus stay at her house. Martha had a sister named Mary, who was sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him teach. But Martha was busy with all that needed to be done. She went in there and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me, to do, left me alone to do all of the work? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Only one thing is important, and Mary has chosen the better thing, and it will not be taken from her. I've talked to many a a woman who kind of wished that Jesus had said something just a little bit different. Like, you're awesome, Martha. Thanks so much for cooking me food. Thanks so much for making my bed so I don't need to. You know, many a woman, and probably busy men too, that just wish maybe he'd said something just a little bit different. But what we don't see in that one interaction is their relationship. We see one moment but we don't see the depth of their relationship. Martha was comfortable enough to go up to the Messiah in presumably a room full of people and like, 
don't you care about me? It sounds something that I would probably say to, you know, I don't know, my husband while I'm busy. Don't you see what I'm doing? She was comfortable enough to say that to Jesus. Lord, don't you care? So that implies a depth of relationship. It implies a depth of intimacy. John 11 verse 5 tells us very clearly that Jesus loved Martha and her siblings. She had relationship with them. Verse 38 of that, that passage in Luke 10 tells us that it was Martha that opened her home. So who knows that, you know, someone texts you, I don't know, I guess Jesus didn't text Martha and say, hey, I'm on my way. But, <laughs> but you know, someone texts you or calls you and says, hey, I'm in town, can I pop in? And you're like, yeah, sure. And then in that 30 minutes before they arrive, you get more housework done than you do in the entire week. <laughs> It is efficient and it is quick and everything is clean. Well, or shoved in the cupboard. (laughs) It has the appearance of clean. But Jesus is in Martha's living room. And Jesus didn't rebuke her shortness. He didn't growl at her for being snappy at him. He didn't rebuke her. He understood He understood her heart. He understood what she was saying. He understood how she felt. I was thinking about, you know how um, sometimes when someone texts you, you can read it out in a certain tone of voice that perhaps they didn't say it in. Perhaps that was not their intention to sound that. Perhaps perhaps they were trying to sound err and you thought it was all just all nice and everything was okay. We lose a lot in the form of text. And so I think sometimes... That can happen with the Bible. We can lose a lot. We can think something, Jesus is saying two different things just depending on his tone of voice. Are we thinking that Jesus is scolding Martha or are we thinking he's showing her care? We can read that in what we think the tone of voice is. I practiced a little demonstration for you yesterday. But just imagine, you know, like Martha's gone and said, Lord, don't you care? Because her, her tone of voice probably was not <clears throat> controlled and calm. It was probably a little bit like, ah, don't you care about me? And, you know, we can imagine Jesus, if we're in that, this frame of mind, we can imagine Jesus going, Martha, Martha. <laughs> I'm not an actor, can you tell? Why are you so worried and upset? Mary's chosen what's better. She's not going to be taken from her. Or... Jesus can say to her when she goes, Martha, Martha, why are you always so worried and upset? Mm. Only one thing is important, and Mary has chosen it, and it will not be taken from her. So depending on our, I don't know, maybe even our mood of the day, but our, our thought process, our view of Jesus, we can see Jesus saying something quite different to Martha because it's in text. Jesus isn't telling Martha to be Mary. He didn't scold her. He didn't say, why can't you be more like Mary? He knew they were different. He knew they would never be like each other. But Mary had chosen what was better. And that wording implies that that better was offered to both of them. That both of them could choose what was better. It was offered to both of them regarding the giftings, regarding of their personality, regarding, regardless regardless of their giftings, regardless of their personality, regardless of anything, 
the better was offered to both of them. It's never been a Martha versus Mary, two against, two against each other. It's not about one being greater than the other. It's about two personalities, both being valuable, both being God-honoring. It implies that the better is offered to both of them, and we have a choice. It's a choice. Martha clearly had a great gift of hospitality. We don't know how many people she invited into her house that day, but we're assuming it was at least Jesus and his disciples, so, you know, just an extra 13 people at the dinner table. I'm not sure about you, but if 13 people turned up on my doorstep with no text in advance, uh, I <coughs> probably wouldn't be very calm. ACAM. <laughs> Hospitality was clearly her gifting. In Romans 12, it talks about serving each other. And the chapter is entitled, Give Your Life to God, or Living Sacrifices to God. There are more than one way to give your life to God. There is more than one way to live your life as a living sacrifice. There is more than just at the altar. The altar is important. But there is more than one way to be a living sacrifice to God. Romans 12, verse 4 to 13, says, Each one of us has a body with many parts. These parts all have different uses. In the same way, we are many, but in Christ we are all one body. Each one has a part, each one is a part of the body, and each part plays, belongs to the other parts. We all have different gifts, each of which came because of the grace God gave us. To the person who has a gift of prophecy, they should use this gift in agreement with faith. Each, everyone, anyone who has the gift of to serve should serve. Anyone who has the gift of teaching should teach. Whoever has the gift of encouraging others should encourage each other, others. Whoever has a gift of giving to others should give freely. Anyone who has the gift of being a leader should try hard when he leads. Whoever has the gift of showing mercy to others should do it with joy. Your love must be real. Hate what is evil to hold on what is, to what is good. Love each other like brothers and sisters. Give each other honour more than you want it for yourself. Do not be lazy, but work hard. Serving the Lord with all of your heart. Be joyful because you have hope. Be patient when trouble comes. Pray in all times. Share with God's people who need help. Bring strangers into your house. The problem was not with Martha working. The problem was not with hospitality. The problem is also clearly not with Mary sitting at the teacher's feet and learning. The problem was with the attitude of the heart. We still need to serve. We still need to serve one another. We still need to serve in the house. We still need to serve in our communities. We still need to serve. Jesus was not telling us not to, but he was telling us to be with him as well. He was telling us to sit at his feet. He was telling us to learn. He was telling us to worship. He was telling us to be intimate with him. And he was telling us if we can't do both, choose him. If you can't do both, choose him. 1 Peter 4 verse 8, most importantly, love, love each other deeply because love, because love will cause people to forgive each other of many sins. Open your homes to one another without complaining. Each of you has received the gift to serve others. Be good servants of God's various gifts of grace. You know, sometimes we fill out those, uh, have you ever filled out those gifting, um, gifting sheets, you know, uh, or, you know, personality, but, like, what you're, what you're strongest in. And, you know, some people get really low on serving. They're like, oh, 
Well, clearly, it's not my gifting, so I'm not going to do it. The Bible says, each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. Everyone serves, or at least they're meant to. The church runs and survives on you serving. And we are eternally grateful that you do. Most mothers know what it's like to feel like they're the only ones working. They're the only ones doing stuff. I didn't say that you necessarily are, but we know what it feels like to be the only one rushed off their feet. Only, you know. And generally, I just put it out there, it's not because the rest of my family are sitting at Jesus' feet, so it's a little bit different when I get grumpy about it, right? It's <laughs> a little bit. But mothers don't have the monopoly on being busy. Everybody, it's, it's the Western culture. Everybody is busy. My 15-year-old is pretty busy, really busy, actually. Uh, we're all busy because it's the, it's, it's, I don't know why we're all busy. It's the way of the West, I don't know. It's just the way that our culture is. We, we always, we're always doing. Martha didn't have the monopoly on it. Jesus' final Passover meal with the disciples. He's broken bread. He's talked about one will portray him. They've argued over who's the most important. It sounds like a regular family meal, doesn't it? Luke 22, verse 27, who is more important, the one sitting at the table or the one serving? You think the one at the table is more important, but I am a servant among you. I mean, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. That service. And if Jesus served others, then... Nowhere does it say that Martha's service was unimportant. I'm sure Jesus liked the fact that he was going to get a meal. But he would rather we sat at his feet... So he can feed us first. Food that will never run out. Food that will always satisfy. Will always carry us. He would rather we sat at his feet so he could feed us first. Like I've uh, touched on, I am often Martha. I am often busy. And I often let my stress levels or my anxiety or my worry that everything's not going to get done or that everything's not going to be perfect, that I'll let someone down and I, it causes me within the premises of my home generally, <laughs> occasionally at work, um, <laughs> to outburst, to get frustrated at everybody. Don't look too bad at me. <laughs> and get frustrated and annoyed that people are not helping me enough as I want them to be helping me. I mean, they may have no idea how I wanted them to help me, but I get frustrated and you feel like you're doing it doing it all, all alone. But actually, do you know what? Have you ever read about the Proverbs 31 woman? She's busy. She's busy. And that's not to be shamed, that's praised. Her doing many things to look after her family. We're supposed to look after our families. We're spo- you know, busyness is, not, busyness is not a sin. It's not. Busyness is not a sin, but putting busyness in the place of intimacy with Jesus, that's where the problem lies. That's not even in my notes. (laughs) Martha was doing what was expected of her, a woman of her time. Martha was upset that Mary wasn't. I'm sure that Martha and Mary both had busy lives. They were women in that day and in that culture. I'm sure they both had busy times. I'm sure they both had a lot to do. But in that moment... Mary knew Jesus is in the living room. Jesus is in the living room, and he was close, and she needed to stop, and she needed to embrace him. With everything she had, she chose what was best. 
I can imagine there's times <clears throat> where Martha chose more wisely than her sister. I think we get the idea that Martha's older than Mary. There'll be times where Martha chose more wisely than Mary. Imagine how annoying it would be in the old kind of concept of sibling rivalry for the one time, the one time Mary chose what was better, and that's the one that's in the Bible. <laughs> Forevermore, we're talking about it. How many thousand these are there? One time. I'd be annoyed. We need to be with Jesus before we do anything for Jesus. And that's the point. Our struggle in life is having a merry heart in a Martha world. Martha wanted Mary to fit into society's expectations, the stereotype of woman at the time. It was not unusual that Martha was doing what she was doing. What was unusual is what Mary was doing. But she wanted Mary to fit into the stereotype of, of woman of the time. Women worked in the home. Women worked in the kitchen. Women did not learn. They did not see that the foot of the feet, sit at the feet of the rabbi. It was reserved for men. Women were taught to work in the home and to serve men. I'm just going to put it out there that that four scriptures shows us something pretty cool about Jesus' views of women. What he thought was important. How he saw women. But that's definitely a thought for another day. Maybe, if I'm ever brave enough. <laughs> I'm about two chapters into a book about Mary and Martha and I thought when God told me to speak on this, I thought, oh, I'll quickly read that. But <clears throat> life and uh, yeah, two chapters in. Uh, but I just wanted to read this one uh, passage that really spoke to me. Jesus invites us to come and rest, spend time in his incredible living room of intimacy, intimacy that allows us to be honest about our complaints, bold in our approach and lavish in our love, intimacy that allows us to hear our Father's voice, to discern, discern our Father's will, intimacy that fills us with love and with his love and his nature, that it spills out into our dry and thirsty world in the kitchen service. In the living room is where it all begins, down at his feet. But where it ends up is where we go out and we serve other people and they see Jesus in us. Before they ever walk in those doors, we serve them because we've been in the living room, we've been filled and we've been empowered and we've been released to do the things that God is calling us to do so that other people will see Jesus. What we learn from Mary and Martha isn't that Mary was better, isn't that serving is wrong, but we learn to always put Jesus first, always choose Jesus first. We also learn to not let serving God or doing good get in the way of knowing him. We learn that stress and anxiety does not solve problems. She was upset and worried, but that wasn't solving her problem. Only Jesus solves our problems. But we also learn that acts of service are a sign that we're as disciples, where we fill with his presence and we go out and we serve people just like Jesus did. Jesus says, Mary says to Martha, Jesus, don't you care? How many times have we had stuff going on in our lives? How many times have we felt busy and overwhelmed and we've thought, does God even really care about what I'm doing? Does God even really care about this business? Does God even really care what's happening to me? It's kind of like Jesus is saying, 
to us and to Martha. So I don't know if Jesus actually says this. Stand still. Shut up for just a minute. Or be quiet. Hush. Maybe he would say hush, not shut up. <laughs> but I would say, stand still and just shut up for a minute. Because I'm right here. It's like Jesus, like, I'm right here. Yeah. I'm right here in the living room. Just Martha, just stand still for a minute. Shut up. <laughs> Graciously. Graciously. <laughs> because I'm right here. And when you stop and realize that he's here, we hear him. And we can move forward in the things that we need to do. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I'm God. Martha got so busy being ready for the guest that she forgot Jesus was in her living room. So busy fluffing and getting ready for what's coming, but Jesus was already there. Jesus says to Martha, you're worried and upset. Don't be worried. Pray. I'm right here. Philippians 4 verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything and prayer, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. He's like, talk to me. Don't worry. Talk to me. Yeah. It's yeah. very basic. Yeah. Sometimes we find the Bible quite complex, but actually some of the foundational things in our relationship with God are not complicated. They're not. When we pray, it doesn't necessarily take away our problem, but it can change us for our problem. Does it, it, it. Sometimes it seems so basic. People come to you with a problem, and largely the advice I have is go and spend time with Jesus. Just sit at his feet. Often people in ministry are at risk of having like a working relationship with Jesus, only talking to him because of work, about work. And if you're a doer, and you're a doer particularly when you, if you serve in church or serve in a connect group or serve in some way like that, if you're a doer, or probably just anyone, we're also at risk of that too. Just talking to him when we need something. But Mary, Mary stops. I'm presuming that before Jesus came, if they knew he was coming, she was busy helping Martha. But she stopped to be in his presence, to learn from him, to worship him. She stops the hurry just to be with him. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. He says to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. How many times in the martha-ness of life have we felt weak? Have we felt like we're not sure if we can get it all done? We're not sure we can be all things for all people or at least all the people you need to be things for. We're not sure we've got what it takes. We're not sure if we're good enough. We're not sure we can keep going. But in our weakness, in our busyness, he is strong. It's like he's saying, I'm in the living room. Just come and sit with me for a minute and take my strength into your busyness, into your weakness, into the things that you're going to feel like you're failing. Take my strength and that is his grace for us. Our God is a God of grace. On days that we feel like, on days where we don't stop, on those days where we're much more Martha than we are Mary, we stop and we find his grace.
Equally, grace abounds when he calls us to do something, tells you to do something, to put your hand to something, to serve someone, to do something, and for whatever reason we don't, his grace also abounds. The takeaway I'd like you to take from today is that Jesus wants us to be with him. Jesus is in the living room, and he just wants us to come, to stop, and to be with him. He also wants us to serve others, one another, and his grace is enough. His grace is enough. In the marthiness of life, he wants us to stop for a minute and take his strength. Right, I'm going to pray. just really want you to not, uh, I, I don't want you to go away feeling um, bad about your busyness. I don't want you to go away feeling <clears throat> condemned for not entering the living room enough, staying in the kitchen where all the work gets done. But I want you to sit today and just make a commitment to God. God, when you draw me to your living room, I'll come. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you, Father, that you love us. We want to thank you, Lord, that your grace abounds. We want to thank you, Lord, that you're our safe place where we can say, Lord, don't you care? And Lord, as we enter your presence, we know that you do. As we enter your presence, we find your love, we find your strength, we find your grace. I pray, Father, that in the busyness of every person in this room, God, that you would come close. Lord, that in the weeks to come, you would draw them into your living room. I want to thank you, Lord, that you love us. I thank you, Lord, that you've got the most amazing future for each of us. We honor you, Lord. We pray, Father, that you'll continue to draw us into the living room even on the days that we don't go. We love you, Lord. Amen.